we've been talking this month about um, praise. We started talking about praise this month. Um, and, you know, this is the month that's Valentine's Day. It's the love month. The love month. But, you know, we show love to, to our Lord and Savior. You know, this is the m not just this month, though. We should show it to him all the time. <laughs> just this month, we're just going to be focusing on teaching on it. But for the rest of the year, we show God our love. So we're just learning about it this month. But praise is one of the things that we do to show God adoration. And we, we praise, and just like Pastor Brad talked about this morning, we praise, and, and it's a sacrifice of praise many times, and it comes from the fruit of our lips. So we're going to touch on that real quick before uh, we get into uh, worship. So I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verse 15. And it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. The fruit of lips that confess his name. That's what praise is. It's a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name his name it confesses you know and it's not it's people think we'll just confess his name jesus no what what is jesus jesus is the word jesus is uh, our lord and savior he's our counselor he's our friend the prince of peace the mighty god el shaddai jehovah jireh everything that encompasses who jesus is we proclaim his name in our lives and it active in our lives so when we praise his name we are giving praise to who he is in our lives and it's a sacrifice of praise because if you already had it, then would, would it be a sacrifice? No, because you would be thanking him for something that you were already holding in your hand. But it's a sacrifice of praise because you have to sacrifice the fact that you don't yet have it, but you're sacrificing the, the well, you know, it's not here yet, but I'm, I'm praising him for it. You may not feel like it at the moment. It may feel like everything is speaking against that or acting against that, but we praise in the belief and the hope and the anticipation and the faith that it's coming, that it's coming into our hand, that it's coming into manifestation into our lives. So the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips it's the fruit of our lips and of course get that the fruit of our lips the fruit so it it, it comes to pass it no longer is seed it becomes fruit you know, it's, it's planted in the ground and becomes the very fruit that, that we proclaim out of our mouth. So we proclaim his name. We offer uh, thanksgiving. We offer praise. We offer uh, adoration and admiration to God. And we offer um, just a, a grateful heart, a heart of gratitude for the things that he has done, but also for the things that he's going to do in our life. So praise is gratitude with words. Without words, it's very difficult to tell anyone that they did good or that, that you think that they were praiseworthy about anything. It takes words to praise. It takes words to praise. You cannot praise somebody without words. So our expression verbally 
is how we praise. It's how we uh, give adoration or how we express gratitude or how we tell someone that they're, 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 they did a wonderful job or they're worthy or they're, you, they mean something to us. So praise is something, I mean, just like in your own family. How would your own family know if they did something that, that was appreciable in the home? You know, like Zephyr many times does dishes in the home for us. And I always try to remember to tell him, thank you for doing the dishes, Zephyr. You know, because he, he wasn't told to. He just did them. He just went in the kitchen. He saw him. He did them. And so I tried to tell him, thank you, Zephyr, for doing the dishes. You know, but he wouldn't know. What if I always ignored that and, and didn't say anything to him at all? He would feel like I never appreciated it. So it's something that, that if we don't say, it's not automatic. It's not just something that comes out of our life if we don't verbalize it. So praise is the fruit of our lips. And just like Pastor Brad uh, went over this morning, Psalms 22.3 says that he is enthroned as the Holy One, enthroned in the praises of Israel or in the praises of his people. If he's enthroned in the praises of his people, that means he comes into the midst of praises. When people praise him, he comes into their midst. He comes into the very, the the very at, their very atmosphere. If you've been in services where where people are in unity in praise and and there's uh, just a flow in the Holy Spirit and you feel the tangible presence of God, and he comes into the atmosphere. Why? Because he's welcomed. Because he's welcomed in. Think about it. If a king was coming to town and, and, you know, people heard about it, and if the people were well, you know, they well received the king, and they go out and, oh, praise the king, and oh, how wonderful the king, and they're throwing flowers and, and, and giving praises to the king. Well, then the king would feel welcomed into that atmosphere. He would want to come into that town. But if they, if they bashed his name, and if they said, no, he's no good, we don't want him here, and they yelled at him and screamed at him and threw uh threw rocks and threw tomatoes and threw everything else to him and ah, get him out of here and we don't want him here do you think he's going to come into the the atmosphere of that town do you think he's going to come into that vicinity he's not because he's not going to be welcomed there and it's the same thing with God if he is honored then he comes if he is is praised and he feels welcomed he comes but if he doesn't then he does not so Praise does a lot. In fact, Psalms 47 verse 5 says, God has ascended amid shouts of joy. That means he comes in the shouts of joy, even in the shouts, in the loud praise, in the, in the hallelujahs, in the, the shouts of, of just excitement of what he's done for your life. In the shout he comes. It says he comes in the shouts of joy and amid the soundings of the trumpets. So even the, the loud praise of the instruments he comes. And he will come in the midst of the shouts of praise. Now, that got me thinking today after I read that. And I thought, you know, the verse that says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Psalm 68, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. So when God arises, it says he, he comes into the midst or he rises in the midst of the shouts of the people. Well, if he rises, if that's how we, how he rises in the shouts of the people, when God arises, let the enemies be scattered. Let his, anything that's an enemy of God is an enemy of us. 
So if there's an enemy that's coming against us, how do we defeat that? Through the shouts of our praise. When we give shouts of praise, then guess what? We're inviting God to rise up in our situation and scatter the enemies. So, you know, even, even in that, the praise is not just quiet. Praise can be loud. Praise can be very vibocious. It's very, uh, you know, it proclaims. In fact, proclaiming is like a shouting. It is a, a loud proclaiming what God has done or is going to do. So praise is a wonderful thing. And just like we often call it a weapon, it is. It is a weapon because it's, it's nothing but the, the sword of our mouth. You know, it's, it's just the, 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 what comes out of our mouth becomes our weapon. It's not like we're standing there with a, a gun. It's not like we're standing there with a sword or anything else, but it comes out of our mouth. Just like death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our tongue becomes the weapon that we fight with. So we have to be very cautious about how we use our words. And then um, <clears throat> another verse I wrote down too, just to back this up, Psalm 67, 5 and 6 is, Let the peoples praise you, then the earth shall yield her increase, and God shall bless us. Let the peoples praise you, then the earth shall yield her increase. How do we get increase? How do we get increase out of the earth? It's through our praises. It's through our praise. When we praise, it actually brings and yields an increase. It's like, it's like actually uh, the seed that gets planted into the ground by us, by our words, by our speech. We plant the seed, and then guess what? As we're praising over that seed, it's like it's watering that seed, and the earth yields its increase. It yields the harvest of that very thing that we planted in. But the praise is the thank you. The praise is the hallelujah. It's coming the praises thank you Jesus for what you're getting ready to do so the praise is the anticipation the gratitude thank you God this is coming this is in my hand I might not see it yet but it's in my hand it's coming because I already see it in my mind I'm already picturing it I'm already seeing it ahead of me and I know that this is coming I've already spiritually see it in my vision and I'm grabbing a hold of it so we praise over the seed that we have sown thanking God for it and you know praise is just like a, I, I was thinking today it's almost like praise becomes the you know a lot of homes here they have the the lightning rod on the barn or the 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 thing that they put on the barn to attract the the lightning and the storm well praise is like that praise becomes that lightning rod in the in the midst of you know all the everything that's going on but that lightning rod and it attracts God's blessing so praise it's like the lightning rod that attracts God's blessing to your life. Just think about it. If you have a child that's very uh, thankful for something, then you want to be able to do for that child. When they appreciate what's been done, then you want to give in to them. If they don't appreciate anything, then you it's just like they don't appreciate it anyway. They don't thank you for it anyway. So when the child is showing, oh, thank you so much, Mom and Dad, for dinner. Thank you so much, Mom and Dad, for this or that, for the clothes that you bought me, for this and this. You know, it's like, oh, you're welcome here and have this too. 
you know, because you want to pour out. If somebody's always complaining about something, you know, why do you want to pour more into them? Because it's like they don't even appreciate the, the things that you've already given them. And, of course, I'm sure you all know people that are complainers and people that are thankful. It's a choice. But people that are complainers are oftentimes the one that everybody's just like, uh, you know. And the ones that are thankful, you want to be able to give more to them. They are so, in fact, it's like the light, the face, uh, their face just lights up. Thank you so much when they get a Christmas gift and they're so happy to receive it and it's so much fun to give it to them just because you're sitting there watching them open you're just like can't wait to see you know the little kid I remember one time uh, Zane I can't remember Zane or Gracia I don't know we might have done it with all three of you guys when they would turn one uh, one of the things we would do is give them a hot dog bun because it's like the only year that's the only age you can give them a hot dog bun and they're going to be super excited about it you know and, <laughs> and they would open it up and it's like you know nothing else mattered because even at age one like the toys don't really matter at that age but the hot dog bun they can put in their mouth and they can eat it and they're so excited about it and they'll just sit there and ignore everything else and eat the hot dog bun and so <laughs> we would do that and of course you know the kids would be excited they just sit there and eat the hot dog bun and and it was just like that's you know age one you couldn't do it any any other time no it's fu it's fun the ones that haven't had kids yet we just gave them an idea they're gonna do it too you wait and see they'll be like our pastor said this works <laughs> That's right. We're really giving you keys right here. <laughs> I don't even know how I got onto that. How did I get there? Appreciation. Appreciating the little things. Yes. So praise is like the lightning rod that attracts God's blessing to your life. And you cannot praise without using words, without using the expression of words. We saw how, how difficult that was. And, and Kali was not getting the message. He wasn't getting the understanding. He was like, happy? <laughs> but he was, it was, there wasn't anything in his mind registering like, you did a great job in the football game today. It was happy you know I don't get what you're saying so there when there's no words there's no communication of what what's being said or there's no expression of your heart so praise has to it has to come out of your heart and manifest into the natural which is through your words Satan wants to fight to keep you from this why because he knows if it won't come out of your mouth then it'll never be sown. It'll never be seed that ever hits the ground. So Satan wants to keep you talking about how hard it is and all of the giants. And you think about David. When David was in the, uh, the went to go give his brothers the, the cheese and the bread, uh, and then he sees this giant, and he sees what's been pestering them for, for so long and coming out and, and yelling at them and, you know, who's going to fight me? And, you know, today I'm, I'm going to kill the Israelites. Send your man across here. I'll fight him. And David looks, and he's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this guy that has no covenant with God and he's daring to come against the, the Israelites who have a covenant with God? What is he thinking? Why is nobody standing up against this? Why is nobody taking this guy on? 
You know, and, the, and everybody else is running and hiding in fear. And they're all in their tents going, have you seen this guy? Have, did you see Goliath today? He looked extra tall today. You know, and they're giving, like, stats on his height, stats on how, how much his javelin probably weighs, how big his head is. You know, my helmet is, is three times too small for his head. You know, and talking about how big his muscles are, how, how big of a shield he has on the front. I mean, all the stats of the enemy and that's that's exactly what the devil wants to do get you talking about how big the problem is how much of this this is going to cause an issue how much of this is going to hold you back that you're never going to be able to overcome that that just keep talking about what the problem is that the problem's just so big and you're never going to be able to overcome that thing that thing's never going to be able to come down your family's not even defeated it you know David could have said my bigger brothers haven't even been able to take this guy out I'm the youngest one I'm watching sheep They've been in the army. They're experienced army men. They haven't even been able to take him out. But David had been alone with the Lord. He had been focusing on his time with the Lord. And he had been learning skills himself on lions and on other beasts of the, of the, of the field that had tried to come against him. So he had been gaining experience with God. And when he stood there, he, said, he looked at Goliath who do you think you are coming against the Israelites, coming against God? Today you're going down. He spoke right into the giant. He spoke right to the enemy and told him exactly what was going to happen. I'm feeding your flesh to the birds of the air today. So he began to prophesy what was getting ready to take place. So the enemy wants to wants you to stay on the stats of your situation, on what is in the physical at the moment. But you've got to look past that and you've got to see what God wants to do past that situation and begin to declare that out of your mouth and praise him that it's going to happen and if it has to come out in words like today your flesh is going to be fed to the birds then that's what has to come out because that's exactly what needed to come out of David's mouth sometimes it might sound proud sometimes it might sound arrogant sometimes it might sound over the top but you're not talking to people you're talking to the situation you're talking to what's going to happen in that situation and many times this is what's happening in the prayer room this is what's going on in the prayer room so these are the things that's got to come out, out of your spirit as you're bringing these things to the Lord and as you're praying in the spirit and then boom, it's like faith rises up into you and you begin to declare these things out of your mouth. So praise is so important. Don't allow the enemy to get you talking about how hard it is. Don't be talking about how hard it is. <clears throat> All right. That was, that was just the... A recap of praise. <laughs> um, now I want to switch gears a little bit and go into worship. Is that all right? Okay. Because many times we talk about praise and then we talk about worship and we kind of lump it all in one thing. And we say, oh, praise and worship. Which is fine, you know. Um, it's not like something you need to get religious over. <clears throat> but worship, just like praise is ascribing worth to something in words. Worship 
is ascribing worth to something through action. So praise is ascribing worth through words. Worship is ascribing worth through action. If you read in the Old Testament or in the New Testament about worship or ministering, these are words that have to do with doing something. So when the priests would worship or minister in the temple, they were actually doing something. They ministered before the Lord. They served before the Lord. They were, they were uh, either sacrificing the animals. They were putting the blood on the altars. They were lighting the candles in the holy place. They were uh, taking the showbread out and replacing it with new, new bread every seven days. They were filling the oil up in the, in the, in the candlesticks. So they were, they were working and serving before the Lord the requirements of that day in the temple so they were serving I know that looks very different in today's time because we are in New Testament times we are in uh, the resurrection time you know when Jesus Christ has has now given us uh, we have the body we are the temple of the Holy Spirit so we don't have to go behind a closed curtain we don't have to go light uh, oil lamps and and put the bread out all of those things had symbols and there was a reason and for all of those things that all pointed towards Christ. But the thing is, now it looks different. Now our service is in the local body. Now our service is to one another. Now our service is to go out and reach the kingdom. So this is uh, what worship is today. So praise is, is thanking God for what he's done or is going to do. Praise is giving uh, worth to him through our words, while worship is giving worth through our actions, through our actions. Now, there's four things, and I'm not going to give you uh, the actual uh, Hebrew or Greek word to it. I'm just going to go through this part quickly because I want to focus on, on um, <clears throat> five things that worship is. But these four things I'm just giving to you real quick. Uh, worship in one way means to bow down. Through the Old Testament, it was a bowing down. Obviously, when, when nations had other gods and they placed those gods up in their temples or up on the high places, they would bow down to the Asherah poles. They would bow down to Baal. They would bow down to their idols. So it means to bow. The people of Israel would bow to their God. So it's, it's one form, and of course, that is a what? It's a physical posture. It's a physical thing that you do. So it's a, a way that they would show adoration or submission to God, that God was higher you know think about it well I'll go into here in just a second so it's submission or humbleness or repentance so a bowing down number two was uh, an, another form of worship meant a bond servant a bond servant a bond servant was a man that would work for you um, if you if you had a servant that was working for you for seven years and then that seven years came up and it was time to let them go because under the law seven years you had to let them free now, if after that seven years, they said, you know what? I love my master so much. He's good to me, and I don't want to leave. Then he would become a bond servant. And what a bond servant was, was he would say, master, I don't want to leave you. I want to stay with you for the rest of my life. So they would take him to the doorpost of that master's house. And up on the door, they would, they would place his ear and take an awl and hammer that awl through his ear. So the, the actual uh, point would come through his ear, the blood stain would be on the door frame, and, and he would be marked for life that he was belonging to his master willingly. It was a volunteer thing, but it showed his dedication and devotion to his master. 
it was a volunteerism. It was not any, it was no longer because he hired me. It was no longer because he bought me. It was no longer because I had to be. It was because now I want to be. So it's a completely different, uh, a bond servant is completely different than a servant. So in, in our, that's why Paul many times in the New Testament would say, I, Paul, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's saying, I am willingly, willingly serving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm dedicating my life to him. So that is a bond servant. Uh, the next one is to uh, prostrate yourself. Pro prostrate, sorry, yourself. <coughs> How can you preach that without that not happening? It does all the time. All right. I'm not the only minister that's done that. So prostrate yourself before the Lord or to kiss toward. Now, what does that mean? Well, we don't understand that as much because that's not in our culture. But in, in the cultures of kings and queens, that is a very normal thing. To put the hand out, they kiss the hand or even the foot. Or if they're not allowed to touch them, then they would kiss towards them, towards the, the uh, king or queen. And it was a sign that I'm submitting to you and I honor, to, I honor you. So it's how do we kiss toward our Heavenly Father or towards Jesus, it's by showing affection in some way. So if we kiss the hand or kiss the foot or kiss towards, then we are showing affection in some way by a, by a, a, a mannerism, by a physical motion that we are doing. So to kiss toward, and then the fourth one too, is to actually serve, to minister, or to take care of, to be a personal assistant to minister, to take care of, to serve, to be a personal assistant. So that's actually a, a service that you're, you are like, it's almost like to wait upon the Lord as if, uh, you know, a waiter or a waitress, only it's full time. It's not like, okay, well, I'm going to serve you some food, and then, you know, you're going to leave and leave me a tip, and then I'm out of here. See you. Have a great day. No, it's like all the time. Like, what is it you want me to do now, Lord? Okay, Lord, what do you need now? And now, okay, yes, you want this? You want this filled up? You want me to take this? You want me to talk to this person? You want me to do this? So it's a serving, a serving. Now, worship begins in the heart. It has to begin in the heart. And what comes out of worship, because as it begins in your heart, then it comes out into action. Because, yeah, you can go through emotions, but if you're just going through the motions of some of those things that I said, then it means nothing. It's like the motion is there, but it's not being rendered as pure gold. So it has to start in the heart and come out as the action. Because if we're only doing it to be seen, God knows that. If we're only doing it for the credit, God knows that. People may not always know that, but God knows that. If we're only doing it for the recognition, God knows that. So it has to, we have to have heart check and understand that there is a humbleness and that there is a, a desire to fulfill God in this, not man. So uh, this also means that pride has to, this is just like, I think you mentioned that this morning, that pride, this knocks down pride. Because in order to praise or worship, pride has to come down. Because you are now submitting to someone else. You are, you are now submitting to God. And in order to do it, people don't like to raise their hands because it shows that they're surrendering to someone else. 
That's why that, that huge step when someone first comes into to Christ, if they've got a lot of pride, they don't want to lift their hands. They don't want to uh, bow down. They don't want to show any signs of surrender. It's a hard thing for them to do because they don't know how to submit to someone else. It's like a huge blow to their ego. But the thing is, in order for, for you to show God affection, that has to give. That pride has to get knocked down. For him to begin to work through you, that has to come out. So surrendering in praise and worship begins that whole pride elimination process. And, of course, it's always going on to a greater and greater extent as we walk with the Lord. That's a great thing because we don't ever. Because the thing is, the higher you go in ministry or in anything else that you do, you can still uh, face um, the issue of pride because the higher you go, the more the easier it is to become more prideful that this is you. And you're depending on yourself instead of on God. So you've got to realize, like, pride has to be one of those things that you're constantly fighting against and actually keeping it eliminated out of your life. And, and because at times you'll feel like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, you know, my doing. Yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to walk in this. Because you'll start relying on yourself more rather than relying on God. So worship keeps that uh, pride from growing up in your heart if you'll, if you'll stay attentive to it and don't allow it to just become a motion. All right, so let me give you five things real quick. Five things that, that uh, define worship. Five things that describe worship. And remember, worship is ascribing worth to someone or something through action, through action. And it's a posture or expression of the body, the heart, and the head. It's an expression of the body because you are, you know, you could be raising your hands. You could be on the floor. You know, you could be uh, down on your knees. You know, it's a, an expression of your body, but it's also an expression of your heart. Whatever the status of your heart is, that's where the body follows. So if you are, if you're being prideful in your heart, do you think that you're going to take a position in, in your body, in the form of your body? I mean, some people you can just look at and you can see pride all over them. You can see it just by looking at them. They hold themselves in a prideful stance. And it's just like you can see it on their face. A spirit of pride, it, it has a look to it, and you can see it. So it's the, the, you know, it comes through the body, the heart, and the head, meaning in your head or in your mind, if you're having a hard time understanding that God's the one that, that gives you life, and God's the one that you have to submit to, and God's the one that, that you that your whole essence and your whole life and everything about you comes from him, then you're going to have a hard time submitting because in your head, you think you're doing it all. In your head, you're not giving him the acknowledgement he deserves. So this is all an expression or a posture of the body, the heart, and head. All right, five things. Number one, worship ascribes the amount of worth that you give to something. Worship ascribes the amount of worth that you give to something. Now understand, that does not mean 
that that's all that that thing is worth. That just means that that is the amount that you are ascribing to it. Worship ascribes the amount of worth that you give to something. You can't alter God's value or his worth. Understand that. It's not like you're, you're all that to give God a value. You're, we're not. We can't give God his value. But we can say or act in a way that shows how much value he has in our lives. Does that make sense? Okay, how much, how much value that we are ascribing him in our life? For instance, <clears throat> you go to the movies and you might be willing to pay $10 for a movie ticket. What if tomorrow they back the price up to $50 a ticket? Are you still saying, uh, yeah, I'll pay 50? Or did they get to a point to where it wasn't worth it for you anymore to go to the movies? You'll wait for it to come out in Redbox. So it's like they, f they went over the top and now you're, it's they, you're, you're no longer giving value, that much value to that ticket. So now if it got to a point that movies were so high in demand, you know, like values of things can change. Or, you know, the diamond, you know, some person might be willing to pay this much and then somebody might be willing to pay, you know, it depends on how much they value diamonds. Is it, is it that meaningful to them or not? You know, some people really like cars and they're like, yeah, you know, I want this $75,000 car. This is what I've been working for, da, 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 which is fine. If they have the money for that and that's what they want to do, that's fine. But all I'm saying is some people are like, eh, you know what, I'd rather just drive my $15,000 car, be happy. That's not what I want to put my worth or my value towards. So everybody has different things that they value. But with God, he's our very breath. He's the one that gave us Jesus Christ. He, he's the only reason we are alive. So how much value do we ascribe to him in our life? When we, um, you know, everything that we do, our actions, what we say, ascribes value in some way to God. So how much do we value the word? How much do we value what he says? How much do we value uh, the things that he tells us to do? You know, these are all things that we place an emphasis on or ignore, one or the other. So worship ascribes the amount of worth that you give to something. Number two. And you know, God, God valued you. God ascribed a value to you by sending his own son. And his son died on the cross and said, you were worth all of me. You know, and when you think of it that way, and then you sit there and, and, and look at some people's lives, they won't even dedicate one Sunday a year to the Lord, you know. But God gave his very son and his blood and said, I'm worth, I'm, I'm giving all of this. I'm giving my very son. I'm giving him myself. I love you so much that, that I'm putting myself in human form, giving myself up on the cross to bring you back to me. So when we look at this, we, we have to realize, like, 
where is my value of God? Where is it showing in my life? Number two, worship is a sacrifice or a cost. Worship is a sacrifice or, or a cost. It requires a sacrifice or a cost. Just like I already said, yes, there are some things, uh, you know, like I said, you know, Pastor Brad talked about it this morning. The first time he remembers, the first time he raised his hands in church. Uh, you know, that was a, a moment where he's making a decision. I haven't done this before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing that people do when, when they praise God or when they worship the Lord. And, and there is a, a, a moment where you're giving up of your own pride. You're submitting yourself to someone that you're not used to doing. You're not used to doing this. And you choose I'm going to submit to this. I'm going to do this. I might feel stupid. I might not understand it entirely. I might feel like people are looking at me. But besides all the pride, besides everything here, I'm going to do it anyway. Because now I'm choosing that this is more valuable than my own pride. This is, and I'm sacrificing this. Another way is, you know, even financially, we give. Why do we give? Because we're putting value on something. It's a cost. It's a sacrifice. God says that there is a cost to following him. Does he not? So when we put the, the, the cost to it, and we actually start accepting the challenge, there's a cost. And many people don't understand that there's a cost to following Jesus Christ, that there's a cost involved. And that's why I said, you know, does a man go out and, and start building a tower without counting the cost? Lest he get halfway through it and then he doesn't have enough to finish it and then everybody makes fun of him and says, you know, you, you didn't finish your tower. That's why we have to be all in and say, no matter the cost, I'm all in. I'm giving it my all. I'm giving it my all. Because I'm willing to go until, you know, until I'm there with the Lord. I'm in his presence it doesn't matter. You know, some people are giving their life, you know. They're giving their life. They've counted the cost, and they know when they step out of whatever religion, whether it's Muslim or whatever, Islam, or maybe some other faith, or maybe they're in a country where they know when they step into the idea of Christianity, that, that's very possible going to be the cost. It may be the price tag, but they're willing. They're willing. So worship involves a sacrifice or a cost that can cost our pride. Uh, just like Abraham, what was it costing him? God said what? Go sacrifice your son. And obviously God stopped him right before, but it was going to count as a cost. It was a cost. And Abraham was willing to go through it because he believed somehow along the way God was going to raise him back up. Number three. Worship involves our whole being. Worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Worship involves your whole being. It requires giving all of you, not just one part of you. Well, you know, I'm willing to give my, my head, so I just learn a bunch of stuff about the Bible and as much as I can, but my heart... Uh, I don't think so. Or my life? Nah, I don't think so. I just like to learn about it. 
So, or there's some people that are, are crazy fanatic and they, they're like, oh, heart in. Yes, hallelujah. But they won't take the time to read the word of God and they have no sense to them whatsoever because they're so fanatical that they haven't even learned some of the basic things about living in Christianity. They, they won't read. They won't read the word. And so the basic things, they, they're like way out here in left field uh, doing some flaky stuff and they're all over the place flag waving <laughs> they're they're spraying glitter in in the sanctuary and it has no biblical basis whatsoever and they're doing flaky stuff but they're they're not reading the scripture and they're not being led by the whole they think they're being led by the holy spirit but they're just being led by some flaky stuff and they're all over the place well the, and every day the lord has told them something and so one minute they're here, and then the next minute they're here, and the Lord told me to tell you that. And I mean, they're everywhere because they have no basis. They, ha they don't have a, a compass, and they're not getting the word in them. So you can be one or the other, but what I'm saying is it's all involved. Like everything has to be involved here. Your heart, your soul, your mind, you have to be engaged. And even in our worship services, oh, this, yeah, you got to understand, this just isn't, you know, the, the half hour time that we have here in, you know, raising our hands. This is life. This is about life. This isn't just raise your hand stuff. This is life every day. Every single day. We engage ourselves in it every day. This is the difference between religion and people who love the Lord. What I mean by that is that religions, you know religions that bow down, religions that hum, religions that meditate, religions that can get up and give a, a talk or a speech, religions that have rules and doctrines, don't do this, don't do this, do this and this and this. Go blow up people for the sake of a religion, and you'll get to marry 10 virgins in heaven, whatever. This is the difference between religion and loving God. Because we are engaged with every part of our being, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our strength. We engage our spirit in it. These are not just actions. We engage our spirit. If you were here this morning in, in prayer time before service started, that, that's part of what I was talking about, engaging yourself in prayer, not just going through motions, not just, you know, just saying prayers and, and just repeating things but not paying a bit of attention to what you're praying about and just, well, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I was saying, you know, just looking outside and, oh, it's snowing. But, you're, you know, you're sitting there praying, but you're not paying any attention to what you're praying about. Because your spirit isn't really engaged. That's why it says the prayers of a zealous man. A zealous man. It, it, that's what is effective. Because he wants our prayers to be attached to our spirit. Not just going through lip service. Not just saying things, repeating things. Attach your spirit. What does that mean? It means you've got to stay focused on your prayer. You got to, You have to keep your mind focused on what you're saying. you got to engage your spirit in what's going on. That takes training. It takes you having to stay focused on what you're praying for. And, yeah, your mind will wander off and you go, nope, stay back. What am I praying for? Yes, what do I want to see at this, this situation? What do I want to see happen here? And then begin to pray for those things. That takes activity of the mind. So you have to... 
have your mind being action-oriented in your prayer. If you're praying in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. But keep your mind focused on praying in the Spirit. That way your spirit is engaged in what is going on. Don't just pray in the Spirit and look around the room. <sighs> yeah. Keep your spirit engaged. Number four, worship is communication to God. Worship is communication to God. What we do shows God how much he is worth to us. Think about it. If you were God and you're looking and seeing and taking note, who gets up every Sunday morning and is dedicated to be in his house? And makes this a priority. And I don't mean just like, oh, I have to go to church today, Sunday, and they're all expecting me to be there. If I don't come, then I'm gonna, they're going to ask, where were you at? I'm not meaning that. I'm meaning like the attitude is right. Like you're not coming out of obligation of man. You're coming because you love the Lord. You're coming because your heart is connected with him. You, you want to please him. You know that your covenant is with him. And so you're coming to the house of God because of your covenant with him. Do you think that he sees that and is just saying, eh, whatever? Or do you think he's like, man, that person is, is being devoted to me. That person cares. That person is engaged with me. That person has ascribed worth to me. Because he does. it's not like those things go unnoticed. He notices those things. When you engage yourself in tithe and offering, do you think that he doesn't notice that over someone else that hears it but doesn't do anything about it? He notices that because you have ascribed worth to his kingdom. You have ascribed worth to what his word says. When you care about somebody in the pew and you say, oh, you know, that's been a difficult time for you. Do you care if I pray for you and you love on someone? Do you not think that he notices and then someone else just walks by and goes, eh, yeah, I have other things I need to do. It's like, you know, I'm hungry right now. I need to go eat. And it's all about me. But what about that person that's taking the time, that's putting themselves aside because they notice that someone doesn't look like they're having the best day. What's going on with their heart right now? I'm going to go make sure they're okay. I'm going to make sure that person has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to go, I'm going to watch the kids. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I notice that, there's, that they need someone to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to serve. God notices all of those things. And he's saying, they are ascribing worth to me. It's a form of worship. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is service. It's serving God. It communicates to God how much you actually are ascribing worth to him and who he is. It's our perception of his value. It comes from what we give. That's, that's our perception of how worthy he is in our life is dependent upon what we give. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that his value is dependent upon what we give. I'm saying our perception of how worthy he is is dependent. Because if we say that he's, yes, this great in our life, but we're doing very, very, very little, then really, are we saying that he's really worth that much? Or are we really putting forth how much we say that he is in our life? Is, is our actions matching 
what we say he is in our life. We don't want to just give lip service. Number five, last one. Worship is ministry to God, not man. Worship is ministry to God, not man. Write this down too. You are the producer, not the consumer. Worship is ministry to God, not man. I am the producer, not the consumer. What that means is when we come into the house of God or when we are serving the Lord, we are producing for him. Not, well, what has it got for me today? You know, well, I didn't like that song. Well, you know, I don't understand why they don't sing more hymns. Well, I don't understand why they didn't do this for me. I don't know why they didn't have this for me. You know, I just don't understand why they don't preach more sermons about this. Or I don't know why they didn't have kids ministry today. You know, my kids were, you know, and it's always about me. Worship to God is about us producing. When we come into the house of God, you know, think about it. In the Old Testament, what did they do? They brought their animals to God. They came in with thanksgiving to God. They entered the courts with praise. It had nothing to do with, well, God, what are you going to give me? What, you know, I'm here in your temple, Lord. What, what do you got for me? It was about, I am here to give to God. That is a whole nother maturity level right there. When we get that, that's like a whole step up. That's a big step up. Because when you get a church that's operating on that level, and I'm not saying that there's always going to be new people coming in. You always want new people coming in. But when the ones that have been here for a while get that and they're all operating, coming in through the doors, like, I know what I'm here for. I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm here to produce for God today. I am here not to consume. I'm not here to take, take, take. I'm here to give. I'm here to see who I can serve. I'm here to love somebody. I'm here to see who I can bless today. And then that changes the whole culture of a church. Because you have people running around just looking for, for how, can I, how can I stand in the gap? How can I help in this position? How can I love this person? It changes the whole culture. So worship is about serving God, not about consuming and, and being the take-taker, but the ones that's a give-giver. We are giving into the lives of a people. You know, God, God doesn't ask for an atonement anymore. We don't have to come in with, with animals. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to be slitting no throats of no goat anymore. But he still asks for a sacrifice from us. We now become the living sacrifice, according to Romans 12. We are now the living sacrifice. So now we sacrifice of ourselves. We don't have to go dragging our sheep with us, but, but we do have to. We are now the sheep. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're now the sheep, so we have to sacrifice of ourselves. You know, we, we lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice, the Bible says. So we give of ourselves. We, we figure out, Lord, what is it that you're challenging me to do? What is it that you're wanting me to do? 
How can I worship? And when we understand that, we realize we're doing it for God. Our eyes are not on man. Our eyes are not on, you know, who's going to notice us. It's, it's totally on I'm here to serve God in every aspect. I'm here to serve God. He's watching me. He knows that I'm being faithful. He knows that I'm pursuing these things. He knows that, that I'm, I'm walking these things out step by step, and I'm growing, and he's going to be the, the rewarder of me. Hallelujah.